that again. Good morning, everybody. Uh, like my wife said, my name is Gino Allison. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome you all to the South Suburban Vineyard Church. Special welcome to those of you who might be visiting with us for the first time, and also welcome to those of you watching us via live stream. It's so good to have you here this morning. I also want to give a shout out to our teens who are serving throughout the building today, serving in tech and on worship. Yeah, give them a hand. <clears throat> And special shout out to our student ministry uh, directors, Ramon and Yvette Mayo. Give them a hand as well. Because they are doing a fantastic job of closing the gap between this room and the youth room. And one of the ways they do that is they want to regularly have us worshiping together and integrate them into faithful service here throughout all of the ministries here. And I also want to say uh, thank you to uh, Cassandra Farrell and Shantae and Eli for uh, coming in this week and decorating for us. Spending their precious time to get us in the holiday spirit here. And in case you haven't noticed, we've entered, we crossed the threshold into what some call the most wonderful time of the year. And though it's unseasonably warm, and I don't think anybody's complaining, uh, this is the Christmas season. We call it the Advent season, and Advent is a season observed by Christians all over the world, and it's the time of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of the birth of Jesus at Christmas time. And as we say, there's three things that we do, at least three things that we do during the Advent season. We thank God for Christ's first coming. We celebrate his presence among us today. That's really important. And we prepare our hearts and our minds and our souls and hopefully other people for his second coming, for Christ's return, right? And Advent season is supposed to be a season of not just hope but renewed hope as we remember to press into Jesus as the reason as the reason for this season. And what's bizarre about the holiday season, this Advent season, is how much work and how much energy and how much effort it takes to keep Christ at the center of the thing. Because we, we love to celebrate ourselves more than we like to celebrate the person whose birthday it is, right? Imagine if somebody threw you a party and you were the person whose birthday it is, but everybody got a present but you. Everybody was the center of attention but you. And that's kind of how Christmas can be, isn't it? And so for Chris, Christians, those of us who follow Christ, it's our job to do the hard work of not letting the festivities take center stage, not let the lights and decorations, as beautiful as they are, the parties and the food, the travel, and although we love presents, presents aren't the main event. It can be really easy to forget just who and what is behind all of this. And so my job... Our job is to regularly remind us, especially when we cross that threshold into the Advent season, just what's to be at the center of this holiday season. Any guesses? Jesus, right? And I'll confess that as a young preacher, I didn't like this season much. Just learning to preach. And as we enter this holiday season, there's this small slice of scripture that we get to use every year, and yet a pressure to be creative and slick and inventive. And so I'll confess to not liking the holiday season much as a young preacher, but all the more I walk this out. As the seasons roll by, and as more life is lived, somehow God seems nearer to me than he was when I was a young man. Twelve years into this thing, he seems closer 
than he was in year one. The more life I've lived, the more struggles I've faced, the more I've fallen and gotten back up, the more I survey what's really important, the more I like this season. The more this season serves to recalibrate my heart each year and to remind me what my heart forgot January through November and that God has come to earth, that God moved into our neighborhoods when things looked really, really bad. God is here. So because this is the Advent season, I have the privilege of beginning a brand new teaching series that I'm simply calling God with us. Because this season symbolized that God, the person of Jesus, moved into our neighborhoods. The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, I don't want you to miss today or through the rest of this series how important a distinctive God with us is. Why is this an important distinctive? Well, because anybody who is remotely acquainted with God would think it's special that a deity like Almighty God is above us and lofty, like we would assume that. Nobody would think it's special that a deity like God Almighty would be considered important, unique, holy, worthy of praise and worship, possessing power both to crush us and to bless us. We wouldn't even think it's strange that this God, this almighty God, is both gentle and full of steadfast love for his creation. None of that would seem strange. But the fact that almighty God is also with us, is also near to us, is close, is proximate, is accessible, that, in my mind, stands out in a special way. That, in essence, is really countercultural. I'll tell you why. Because I believe that the world can gauge importance and greatness based on isolation. Let me tell you what I mean. Important people are often whisked away into back rooms and into the backs of tinted suburbans away from the common folks. Important people are often shrouded in bodyguards so that the common base humans can't get to them. They're holed up in green rooms. They travel on private planes, and they get to come in private entrances. And that often is a signal that somebody's important. That is often the signal that somebody is great and significant. On the other hand, God's greatness... And what makes him distinct is determined by his nearness, by his accessibility, by his proximity to us. Almighty God that spoke to nothing and created everything we see, that has every right to be away from us, apart from us, haughty, stuck up, isolated, that God chooses instead to be with us, to be near us. Let that sink in. He's here. He's near. Now and forever. Through the sunshine and the rain, through the heartache and the pain, God is here with us. And in this Advent season, we intend to, among other things, celebrate his nearness. 
And so the goal of this series is to highlight all the ways that God's nearness to us really matter and to prime our hearts to enter this season with the right perspective. And today as we begin this series, I want to focus on this concept of God's nearness showing up as light. God's nearness showing up as light. We sang about it so beautifully this morning, and I want to drive in this whole focus and the concept of light this morning as we focus on God being with us. I'm simply calling this message this morning a light in the darkness. A light in the darkness. If you would meet me this morning in Isaiah chapter 9 as we explore this concept of God showing up as light. Isaiah chapter 9, a light of the world. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. With all the things that compete for our attention and affection in this moment, in this season, we invite your presence. As we behold your word today, as we reacquaint ourselves with a familiar passage and a familiar theme, we ask, Lord, that you would draw near. Limit our distractions. May we fix our gaze on you. Lord, I just lift up those who are far from you today. Those of you who have stumbled in or stumbled onto the live stream, not expecting much, maybe just punching the clock today. Lord, would you surprise us with your presence this morning? Would you give us more than what we seek? Would you give us what we need? Come Holy Spirit, especially for those who are shrouded in darkness. Come do what only you can do. Put power on these words that you've given me to speak. Move the preacher out of the way so that your truth and light might shine through. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Isaiah chapter 9, I'm going to start at verse 1 and go through verse 7. Reads this way, nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Verse 3, you will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burdens from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For unto us is born, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. This is a rich text. And for many of us, it's a familiar text, and as I often challenge us when we uh, reacquaint ourselves with a familiar text, I, encounter, I, I challenge us to lean in rather than lean away. But this is a prophetic foretelling of the coming Messiah. And it's meant to help a desperate people hold on 
by giving them a prophetic picture of a better future. Oh, the implication here is that the place they're in right now isn't that great. And so these words would land on them in a way that would signal that help was on the way. And this prophecy, given hundreds of years before Messiah would touch down, was God calling his shots, right? And Jesus coming to earth, dying for our sins, all that stuff is fantastic, but it's extra special when God calls it in advance. The wife and I were throwing uh, axes at this axe-throwing place this week. Anybody ever try that? Uh, I, I recommend it. I was quite good at it. I'm surprised. I was going good. Uh, uh, but, but, but you get the most points, obviously, for, for a bullseye. But right before we threw, the guy said, hey, now if you call a bullseye before you hit a bullseye, you get double points. And so I couldn't shake that fact that calling something in advance, even something spectacular, made it more spectacular. And if you look in the Old Testament, particularly the prophets, it's full of prophetic pointing toward Messiah pointing toward what God would do and what he would deliver to his distressed people. This passage is no different. And the prophet Isaiah, through this text, points to one of the ways that Messiah would save the world and that he would bring light, not Christmas decorations light, but deep and lasting light. Now, that's important for a million different reasons, but I want to focus on three reasons today that this light is important. Jesus showing up as a light in the darkness. Three reasons. The first is that we need the light. We need the light. We need it. This is a season where we're accustomed to getting gifts. Sometimes you get gifts that you didn't ask for. Sometimes you get gifts that are nice, but you don't really have a practical need for them. And other times you get something that you've not only been hoping for, but something that you desperately needed. And in the spirit of that memory, as many of us have memories of getting something that we needed, we're faced with what shows up in the darkness, light. Because you need it. I need it, the world needs it, and to put it more specifically, the people of Israel needed it at the time that Isaiah spoke these prophetic words. This text is set in a context where the prophecies uh, contained in chapter 7 through 12 were made during the reign of a man named King Ahaz, right? And Ahaz was one of Israel's bad kings. And it wasn't just bad he was a terrible king. He was a terrible leader who didn't obey God. He got terrible advice from terrible advisors. He made terrible decisions. He formed foolish alliances. And many of us know that a terrible, foolish leader means dark times for the nation, dark times for the people. And it was during the reign of King Ahaz that Isaiah made these prophecies about Jesus, the Messiah. And although these prophecies wouldn't come to pass for many, many years, these words had and still do have weight. Because they bring hope in a dark time. They bring hope to a desperate 
people, and this is a promised solution to their, their current problem, is a promise of light. And what was the problem? In a word, darkness. Darkness. What's interesting is their problem of darkness is the same problem that we have right now. It's darkness all around us. There's darkness all around us. And frankly, there's darkness in us. We're in the same boat. And so Isaiah, like much of the scripture, uses this common metaphorical pair, darkness and light, to signal our problem and to point to the solution to this problem, light. And in case you haven't put it together yet, darkness equals sin and sin's consequences. This darkness could represent our sin and the consequences that have come to bear as a result of our mindlessness toward God, or it could also represent the consequences of somebody else's sin that have come to bear on you. This darkness equals the absence of God's provision and care, the removal of God's mighty hand. This is the darkness that God's people are dealing with. This is the darkness that we're dealing with now. The prophet Isaiah says, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. He continues in verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Now, what is this darkness that he's talking about? In order to understand this in chapter 9, we have to look back at chapter 8. And rather than read it, I'm going to assign it for you as homework because we like to give a little bit of homework here. But Isaiah prophesies in chapter 8 that because Israel had utterly rejected God, they'd experienced a deep and lasting darkness that didn't come in the form of God's wrath or God doing something to them, but it came in the form, as we talked about a couple of month, uh, a month or so ago when we went through Romans, his wrath came in the form of him what? Taking his hand off of them. Removing his care removing his protection and removing his provision from them, which made them vulnerable to be ravished by their enemies, namely the Assyrians. And these words of light coming, of rescue coming, and of hope coming land really well on the ears of those languishing in darkness. It's a promise that brings forth hope that the darkness will not be around for much longer. And I wonder if anybody here today uh, can resonate with being in darkness. I wonder if anybody, I know, I know we got a lot of perfect people uh, who, who live really well manicured lives in here, but maybe there's somebody on the live stream <laughs> that might be, be able to resonate with darkness. Is darkness pressing in on anybody today? the darkness of your own personal sin and sin's weight and sin's consequences, the darkness of somebody else who sinned against you or who is sinning near you, and the consequences that come to bear on their life have somehow impacted you. Like, anybody dealing with any of that? What about the darkness of the day? Have you watched any news lately? Global pandemics and all of the variants, variants, Cancers, violence, mass shootings, 
racism, exploitation of the vulnerable and powerless, and on and on and on, not to speak of your own personal crises. I mean, this holiday season, much like last year's holiday season, was set against the backdrop of some really turbulent times in the world, not to speak of our own losses that we've experienced, a record number of funerals this year for SSV, multiple people and families dealing with cancer, and on and on and on. Like, I think we might be able to resonate with this talk of darkness and the need for glorious light to break in. So this news about light couldn't have come at a better time. But this light wouldn't just be some random light, arbitrary light. This light would come in the form of the Savior. The second thing I see that's important here is that Jesus is that light. Jesus is that light. Make no mistake, Jesus is that light. The time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Let me provide just a little bit more context for you. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali, both northern tribes of Israel. Strong tie between these lands, these tribes that occupied certain lands, and the Messiah. Because the tribe of Zebulun occupied a certain area known as Nazareth, which would be the hometown of Jesus. The tribe of Naphtali would be Capernaum, which would be Jesus' ministry headquarters, essentially. And both had been humbled because of their sin. Both had been taken over. And both were experiencing, at this time, a deep, deep darkness. But the prophet said, a light is coming. The prophet said change was coming, and that change was coming in the form of the Messiah. He says, you will break the yoke of their slavery, lift the heavy burdens from their shoulders, you will break the oppressor's rods. There's more. He says, the boots of the warriors and the uniforms bloodstained by war will be burned. In other words, you won't have need for them because peace is coming. Now imagine these words landing on those tired from war, out of breath because the the relentless pursuit of their enemies was constantly overtaking them. Imagine these words washing over them, and that's not it, for a child is born and a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Peace, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. And he promises, he promises to make it happen. Now, if you fast forward to the New Testament, when Jesus actually arrives, Jesus makes this pronouncement about who he was. Jesus spoke in John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And so Jesus, when he shows up, as we fast forward, we peek and look further down in the book, Jesus shows up and says, I am the fulfillment of that which was prophesied and that which was spoken. And here's what's more important. Jesus didn't just say, I have light. He didn't say, I would shine light on your darkness and I would just sprinkle it here. Jesus says, 
I am light. I am the light. I am the rescue for you. I am the hope you've been waiting for. I've come to set things right. And that same Jesus who fulfilled prophecies meaningful to those people who were distressed and oppressed is the same Jesus that would show up not as a light, not just carrying light, but will show up as the light for you here today, right now, no matter what your darkness is. Is it cancer? Jesus is the light. Is it overwhelming, uncontrollable, embarrassing anxiety? Jesus is the light for you. Is it a wayward son or daughter? Is it a pattern of besetting sin that is eating your lunch every day? Jesus is the light for you. And Luke chapter 4 verse 17 contains the passage where Jesus goes into the temple. The scroll of Isaiah is handed to him and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring what? Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor is here. Jesus, as he reads essentially his mission statement, says, I am light and my light will show up in all of these important ways. The gospel will be preached to those who are under the boot of life. The eyes of those who can't see, both physically and spiritually, will be opened by my ministry. Chains will be loosened from the wrists of those who are oppressed. Cages will be opened. And I will proclaim that the light has come. Jesus says, this is me. And I wonder how you might locate yourself in this text today. I wonder if you were to make this personal today and bring it out of the clouds. Like, where do you need the light today? I know where I need the light. In places that I'm comfortable talking about publicly, in places that I would rather keep to myself. But I want you to ponder for a moment so that this is meaningful to you. Where do you need Jesus the light to show up in your life right now? And since some of you I know really well, I know what you're struggling with, some of you, I know the deep darkness that you have, have faced and are facing, and I know that some of you are in what I would call lingering darkness. It's been around for a while. I know some of your stories, but others of you I don't. What, what, where do you need Jesus to show up? I want you to get it in your mind, get it in your hand so that you can hand it to him. So that you can lay it down. And I feel by, led by the Spirit of God that, that some of us have, um, particularly those of us who are in sustained places of darkness, some of us have even lost faith for rescue and hope and things changing. And I believe that the Spirit told me to tell you to get it in your hand again. Bring that thing to the front of your mind again and hand it to Jesus again. Let the light of Jesus break into your darkness. Where do you need the light to shine? Like right now. 
And so we've talked about how we all need the light, right? We've talked about how Jesus is the light, but there's one other area that I think is really important. And I think it's an area where we often forget, or it's often little spoken of, but my heart as a shepherd is to always bring us back to mission, right? And so the third thing I want to remind you and inform some of you who've never knew this is that we also are the light. Like, you and me, we're light too. You say, I thought Jesus was the light. No, 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 no. You are the light too. This is super important. This brings it back to us. You say, preacher, I just want to receive. I just want to receive the light. Okay, receive it. But in this particular unique season, God wants to mobilize us to be the light. And I'll say it earlier, and I'll say it again for those of you who, who may not know this, but there's something about the Christmas season. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but something about the Christmas season that people who could care less about the things of God and things of the kingdom and things of faith, all of a sudden, Thanksgiving ends, we go to that Friday, and all of a sudden, the world is interested in the things of God like they aren't for 11 months out of the year. Am I right? And I was reminded as we enter this holiday season that we have a unique opportunity to not just receive the light, to not just bring Jesus into the room of our life and say, Lord, I need your light there, and I need your light there, and if you wouldn't mind shining a little bit over here too, but, but we have an opportunity to take this light to the world around us. And the beautiful thing about Jesus and his ministry of light is that he could do it all by himself. He could do it all by himself. But yet, he allows us, not just allows us, he commands us to partner with him to be the light as well. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, he says, you are the what? Salt of the earth. Continues in verse 14, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. So again, Jesus isn't saying you have light or you carry light. Jesus says, as you continue my ministry of light, you are the light. And so when you go to work and when you go to school and when you're in the marketplace and when you're buying strawberries at Meijer, guess what? You are the light. Because the same darkness that you're wrestling with, somebody else is wrestling with. If you're wrestling with darkness and you know the Savior... If you're struggling with issues and not sure how you're going to make it and you're acquainted with the love of the Savior, how might those who are far from him be struggling? How might those who are distant from him be processing and managing life without the comfort of knowing that God is near? Tom Rainer, who is a uh, sort of ministry expert, and him and his team uh, provide useful surveys and church data to pastors like me and say, hey, listen, these are the trends. This is what you want to start doing. This is what you want to stop doing. And one of the things that Tom Rainer and his team said is that we would be crazy as a church not to take this holiday season seriously and not to leverage it to be a blessing to our communities. We remind you that last year we were meeting online for Christmas Eve. 
right? We were online only. And all the things and the in-person gatherings and the parties and all the things that we regularly had were natural on-ramps for people to come and experience, not just community, but to experience Jesus were shut down, at least for those churches that were sort of going according to the prescriptions of the local guidelines. And so I was reminded that we have an opportunity this holiday season to show up well and to be like. We were on a fence as a team about, should we do a Christmas Eve service? And at one point we said, we'd be foolish not to. What outreaches can we do? How can we show up well for those around us? And of course, we're supposed to think about it as a church, but I want you to think about you and your family. Like, like where are you called to show up and be like this holiday season? And by the Spirit of God, it's probably, there's faces popping in your mind right now of people that you're supposed to show up well for. People that you're supposed to come and be kingdom light in the darkness. Can I offer a few suggestions? Um, maybe just your address first. Like maybe where you live. Your roommates or, or, or your spouse or, or your children. I believe the Spirit of, the God, the Spirit of God would have us Show up well there first. You said, man, I want to go to the nations. <laughs> Send me, Lord, to Zimbabwe. Ivory Coast. Mexico, I can go there and be a light. And the Lord said, yeah, um, maybe we'll get to there. 2024, maybe. 2025. Um, but I feel like the Lord wants us to show up well, like at home. Spirit of God said, would you, would you, this season, just try, maybe bring your best self home and be a light there. As we extend outwardly to our neighbors, we have a unique opportunity to be the light. To neighbors, this doesn't mean taking your big King James Bible to their doorstep with a, you know, microphone and telling them that maybe they're going to hell. No, not that. Maybe invite them to church or... Maybe bake them some cookies. Maybe, like, don't let your dog go in their yard this month. <laughs> Maybe where you work. We got our kids in here. Maybe on your job where you go to school, like, the light of Christ can show up. The ministry of light can come and flow through you. And you say, man, these people aren't interested. You know what? Somebody said that about you. Because of how you presented yourself. Because how disinterested in the things of God you seemed. And here you are. Because somebody brought a ministry of light to you. Somebody gave your grumpy looking self an invitation despite how you presented yourself. They were light to you and you are here now. And Jesus says, now continue my ministry of light. Where do you need to be like? Worship team, you can come up as we close. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. 
The government will rest upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Some of us have come in today and we are fully aware that we need light. I talked to some of you this week. You're aware. But others of you are here today and you say, preacher, this is good, it sounds good and everything, but I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And it's my experience that those people who say, I'm good, are in the worst shape. Because Jesus says in Matthew 5, that the kingdom is for those who are poor and know it. That the kingdom are for those who are, who are busted and know it. And so my hope is that we would all say, Lord, we need it. And not only would we be aware uh, that we need the light, that we would also be able to locate the source of that light, which is Jesus. And lastly, and perhaps most importantly, that we would be in this really pivotal season, carriers of light, light ourselves, available to the master to continue the ministry of light because God has come and moved into our neighborhoods and his favorite vehicle to carry that light to the unbelieving world, those languishing in darkness is who? You and me. So my prayer is that we would show up well this season. That we would tap into Jesus ourselves, but that we would also show up really, really well and to convey that light to those around us. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are near to us. You're close to the brokenhearted. You're close to those who are poor and disheveled disturbed and molested by life, Lord. You are close to us. And would you help us at all costs this holiday season to fix our eyes and to keep our eyes on you. And Father, I also pray that you would help us to not just be in a posture of receiving your light and pointing out where we need you, but that we would also be people on mission, people on purpose, that will be carriers and extenders of that light. Give us opportunities this week to show up really, really well for those whose lives we touch. Come Holy Spirit.